Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Ah, so good. 18 years tomorrow. Crazy. Crazy. You're awesome. And four kids. It's been a good life. Heaps more adventures to come. So good. Are you ready for the Word of God tonight? Why don't we just bow our heads and pray, hey? And commit this time to God. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, on the 31st of January, 2021, in the PM service, Lord, we just commit the next few moments to you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be the one who is speaking. I ask that you would be the one who is ministering. Father, I pray that you would anoint me to deliver your word, Father, but that we would all receive from heaven tonight. Father, we still our hearts and we put you at the focus of our attention. Lord, if we're not here for you, then why are we even here? And so today we just realign our focus, we still ourselves, we give you authority to speak into those areas of our lives that need your ministry. And I ask, Lord God, for transformation to take place in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I'm going to speak just for a little while tonight, and we're going to go back into worship and have some worship time and some ministry time. And um, as you would know, and maybe you don't, and that's okay, we're going through the chronological Bible as a church. And what that is, is that the normal Bible you buy isn't actually in order of the way things happened, um, but you can buy a chronological Bible that's more like a novel. And so you're actually reading the whole story as it happened in order. And so I'm actually just going to preach my way through the Bible this year. And so I'm actually really excited about that. Um, so tonight I want to speak, and you know, it's our commissioning service. So originally we are going to have commissioning services on the 10th of January. But who knows, we had to stay home for three days. So we pressed pause on that and we rescheduled it for today, which is why you have your anointing oil and why we're doing special services this morning was amazing. Give me a wave if you were here in one of the AM services. I've just been so blessed all day. Anyone else? So moved and so blessed. We really are a part of something that God's doing. And um, I love that because all the way through the New Testament it says you can't take credit. And I do sometimes feel like that. There's actually God's doing this and we're just privileged to be a part of it. And so we did this morning and tonight's a little bit different again. Sometimes we call these nights the drawing, which is the Spirit of God drawing us. And so we leave a bit more space for that. And so in James it says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Isn't that like profound? He's saying to you, just think about this, the God of the whole universe, the maker of everything we see, the one who's existed for all eternity, he's saying, if you just draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And so tonight's an opportunity just to draw as he draws. And so we're kind of hoping and believing and carrying in our spirits this hunger to connect And so I want to speak this morning out of where I'm kind of up to in the chronological Bible, and that's in Exodus. I've kind of raced ahead a little bit because I love to do that sort of thing. And and so I'm in Exodus, and, and God has brought the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and uh, Moses is the leader. 
And God every now and again calls Moses up this mountain called Sinai. And, and there he meets with Moses and talks with Moses. It's absolutely phenomenal. I'm actually amazed reading it again, the chronological Bible again, and I'm underlining in a different colored pen this time. And the amount of times God says to Moses, build this altar and I'll meet you there. Build this tent and I'll meet you there. And I'm like, whoa, God is saying, I'll meet you somewhere. Like, just blows my mind. I'll meet you there. Those words, those few words that I've seen a couple of times. And so here we are and, and, and God is doing that. He's calling Moses up the mountain and Moses is meeting with God. And, um, but I want to talk tonight out of another person's story. And that is a young guy named Joshua. Can you say Joshua? Joshua. This young guy who was actually a part of the Israelite community. And, um, and he is kind of unknown for a really long time and then he just suddenly appears and he kind of seems to be a really well-known person in the community. And so I want to start in Exodus 33 and I'll finish in Exodus 33, verse 11. It says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as someone speaking to a friend. Isn't that phenomenal? Like, doesn't that stir a hunger in you? Like, look at the person next to you. That's how real God wants to be with you. Face to face, like a man talking to a friend. And after, afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain in the tent of meeting. James 4 verse 8, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. I believe that God is raising up a Joshua-type generation. I've talked many times about this remnant, this group of people that I also call the unusual ones, and this group of people that actually, actually meet with God. The ones who, within the community of God's people, there's another community who actually meet with God. And so I, I um, have this book, it's about that thick, honestly, it's the, um, the Bible Dictionary, and I love it, and it's just awesome. Actually, I stole it from Sam, it's Sam's. But um, I looked up Joshua, and this is, this is what the Bible Dictionary describes Joshua as. Joshua is a successor of Moses, and the man who led the nation of Israel to conquer and settle the Promised Land. Joshua was born in Egypt. He went through the great events of the Passover and the Exodus with Moses and all the Hebrew people who escaped from slavery in Egypt at the hand of their Redeemer God. In the wilderness of Sinai, Moses took his assistant Joshua with him when he went up the mountain to talk with God. When Moses sent spies into the promised land Canaan, Joshua was selected as one of the ones and he represented the tribe of Ephraim. Only Joshua and Caleb, two out of 12, came back with a positive report saying they could conquer the land with God's help. The other 10 spies complained that they felt like grasshoppers in comparison with the people of the land. Because of their show of faith, it was only Joshua and Caleb out of 1.5 million people who were allowed to enter the land and end their years of wandering in the wilderness. But all the other Israelites who lived at the time died before the nation entered the promised land. 
At Moses' death, Joshua was chosen as his successor. He led the Israelites to conquer the land and, and supervise the division of the territory among the 12 tribes. And he led the people to renew their covenant with God. As Moses' successor, Joshua completed the work that his great leader had begun. Moses led Israel out of Egypt and Joshua led Israel into Canaan. Joshua's name is an Old Testament form of the name Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation. By his name and by his life, he demonstrated the salvation comes from God. The title of our message tonight is Linger Longer. Linger Longer. I've got three thoughts for us today, Commissioning Sunday, the Drawing PM service, in this idea of lingering longer, being part of the remnant that touches the heart of God, being one of the unusual ones from among the common ones. How do we linger longer? Well, the first thing out of the life of Joshua, as I've been reading, is linger in the fold. Linger in the fold. Joshua was a part of the community, and he was Moses' assistant. From Egypt to Canaan, he was present with the community. And as I've said, for a long time, we don't even hear about him until all of a sudden we hear about him, and he seems to be a guy that everyone knows. But it was because he had lingered in the fold. He had been a part of the community. As he matured, he became included in the eldership and the leadership and the decisions for the nation. In Exodus 24, I love this. Imagine this. Okay, so there's a group of people, 1.5 million people in the middle of the wilderness on the way to their promised land, and God starts calling the leader up a mountain to meet with him and, and assign things to the nation. And in this one particular time, he says, you know what, Moses, bring your friends with you. <laughs> and so Moses brings the elders up the mountain. Up until this time, no one was allowed in the presence of God except Moses. But this particular time in Exodus 24, Moses, Aaron, you know what, I didn't practice this name, these names, I should have. Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain. Listen, there they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue lapsus and something else as clear as the sky itself. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. Listen, in fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay there and I'll give you the tablets of stone on which I've inscribed the instructions and the commands so that you can teach the people. So Moses and his assistant Joshua set out and Moses climbed the mountain. This is the first time we hear of Joshua being Moses' assistant is when they're having this amazing feast in the presence of God. It's phenomenal. And I want to talk about lingering in the fold, positioning ourselves well. Do you know what? God can do more with your availability than your ability. He can do more with the fact that you're available to him than the fact that you can do stuff. You know, I've learned in my own life, I can learn a lot of things. I can be taught a lot of things, but unless I'm available, none of that actually comes to fruition. And so we need to position ourselves. We need to position ourselves well in a community that's going to move us into the things of God so that we can be counted. You know, in the drawing, in the commissioning, we need to be 
positioned well in the fold of what God's doing among his people. Linger in the fold. The second one is linger in the fight. The first fight we hear about is the enemies suddenly present themselves to these slaves that are wandering around the wilderness looking for their promise. And these enemies turn up. I want to read it to you in Exodus 17. While the people of Israel were at another place, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, first fight of the Israelites as free people. Who's the guy? Moses, uh, Joshua. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I'll stand at the top of the hill holding my staff, the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed, the t- climbed to the top of the nearby hill. As long as Moses held up his staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Am- Amalekites gained advantage. So Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on, and they stood on either side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steadily until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the, the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it to Joshua. What a privilege. Not read it to the whole nation. Huh. Read it to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which is the first time we hear that name. The Lord is my victory banner. And he said they have raised their fists against the Lord's throne, so now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. My second thought is linger in the fight. Linger in the fight. You know what? Sometimes we just need to step up. Do you know what I've noticed? Is that anything worth value, anything of value is worth fighting for. Anything worth anything is worth fighting for. You know, when I first became a Christian, the enemy that came at me was saying things like, you come from a broken home. You're a girl. You'll never amount to anything. All the generational curses that came at you in your past, you're going to suffer under them. And there's something about a fight that is an ongoing, lingering kind of fight. When things look good and then they don't look so good and you have to look your opponent in the face and constantly take him on. In about 2010, it might have been, our senior pastor got news that he had cancer. I was pregnant with my son Judah when, and it was Christmas time, and Mark came to the team and he said, next year, when I go through treatment, I'm going to need you all to step out, step up. And so I went from being, you know, like the cute occasional preacher to being on the roster every single Sunday at all the locations around Brisbane as we all stepped up because the enemy was trying to take out my leader and I wasn't going to have any of it. 
And so I started stepping up, and then I had my son Judah. And I... (laughs) Preaching with a newborn, no way, you are not actually going to do this to my church community. And then my son Judah started having fits. And I remember the day that we rushed in an ambulance to the hospital... And I remember the images of my little baby being hooked up to all sorts of wires and machines and all the words the doctors would speak over him. I remember standing in the hallway of that hospital and looking Sam in the face and saying, is it going to be all right? And he said, yes. And I put my gloves on. You are not taking me out. You are not taking out my son. You are not taking out my pastor. I am fighting you, and I am not backing down. His arms might be weary, but I'm lifting his arms. He might be struggling, but I'm fighting. My son, I am fighting for my son. When my other daughters, when my first daughter was scanned at 20 weeks and they told me that she would be a stillborn, I looked my husband in the face and I said, is it going to be all right? And he said, yes, it's going to be all right. I said, yes, I'm going to stand on that word. When Layla was born and it was all blissful and just on discharge, they decided, you know what, we're just going to test her one more time. Oh, hang on. She has a hole in her heart. Sam, is it going to be all right? Yes, it's going to be all right. You better believe it's going to be all right. And I'm going to keep fighting and I'm going to keep fighting and I'm going to linger in the fight because nothing worth anything isn't worth a fight. And there are too many people who don't linger in the fight. There are too many people who do these ones when the fight comes on. But God wants us to linger in the fight until, until we see victory because victory is assured to the people of God. Victory is assured to the people of God. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, Carolina, teach them how to fight. Do you know what? Our weapons are not natural weapons, but they're spiritual for pulling down strongholds and every wicked thing that would try to exalt itself above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Teach them how to fight and tell them to get fit. Get fit so they can linger in the fight. Stay in the fold, stay on mission, linger in the fight. Last thought, linger in the fire. I'm going to finish where we started. Exodus 33 verse 11. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face, just like someone would speak to a friend. And afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain behind the tent of meeting. I've asked for some friends to join me on the stage. Don't worry, I'm not going to punch you. So I've got friends here, and Sam is Moses. <laughs> Come over, guys. Actually, why don't you stand on this side over here? So these guys represent the people, Moses and the people. And so uh, another passage which we haven't read tonight talks about every time that Moses went up the mountain, all the people were instructed to stand at the doors of their tents and watch him go. And when he ascended into the cloud and they couldn't see him anymore, they would go back about their business. And then in this instance, we see that even Moses goes back to his business. 
except Joshua. And as I was reading it, I was thinking, what were they so busy getting back to? What are they so busy getting back to? What are they so distracted with? I mean, could it be a career? So distracted with my career? Could it be renovating a house? I'm just so busy renovating my house. Could it be keeping up with the Joneses, right? I'm just actually so distracted by what everyone around me is doing. I'm comparing myself to them that I'm distracted by that. Could it be an addiction, habits? I actually don't have time for God because I'm doing so many of these other things. Campbell, maybe you're so busy actually debating all the hot topics in politics that you're spending more time on social media and the news than you are in the Word of God. And so you're actually just so distracted. Could it be gossip? You're spending more time chatting with everybody else than chatting with the Spirit of God. And so while all these ones are busy and distracted... There's one guy in the whole nation who stays after everyone else has left. One guy. Everyone else is so distracted. Everyone is busy getting back to, honestly, church, what are they getting back to when the presence of God is here? What distractions is it in the friendship group, at school, at work, in the bank account, in the health of our lives that we're so busy getting back to? And there's one guy who lingered, who stayed. Something powerful about lingering longer in the presence of God, about not rushing back to everything else. You know, for when I first became a Christian, I was only a young teenager, you know, the age of my daughters, and, and it just so gripped my heart. I remember at youth camp, you know, like when, when everyone else goes to bed and there's just that one guy left on the acoustic and a few people left in the room, I was always one of the people still in the room. Always. Even to this day. I'm still the one pushing the run sheet. Ask the team. Jared goes, oh, do you want me to bring my guitar to that? I'm like, yes, always bring your guitar. You know, some people can, some people can, I don't know, they can connect with God like really inside themselves and no one else knows. I can't do that. I actually need to be at the place in the presence with the music on, with the Bible open, on my knees. I actually need to do that, and I've always been that. It probably drives the team insane. The amount of times I say to Jared, hey, so this Sunday, he's like, oh, the team probably needs more than three days to rehearse something. I'm like, oh, okay. Lingering, staying. Psalm 84, verse 10. For just one day of intimacy with you is like a thousand days of joy rolled into one. I would rather stand at the threshold in front of the gate beautiful, ready to go in and worship my God, than to live my life without you in the most beautiful palace of the wicked. I'd prefer just to stand at the gates peering in to the presence of God than to live a lifetime in a palace of wickedness. 
because one day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. God, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to linger more in your presence. Do you know, the more you have, the more you want. Because our God, Hebrews 12 says, our God is a consuming fire. And my last point is, linger in the fire. A.W. Tozer put it this way. Current evangelicalism has laid the altar and divided the sacrifice into parts, but now seems satisfied to count the stones and rearrange the pieces with never a care that it, there isn't a single sign of fire upon lofty Mount Carmel. But God be thanked <laughs> that there are a few who care. They are those who, while they love the altar and delight in the sacrifice, are yet unable to reconcile themselves to the continued absence of the fire. They want the fire. You know, God is drawing us to himself. Would you stand to your feet? He draws us to himself. He calls us to dig wells and build altars. He asks us to lay down ourselves as living sacrifices. We are the sacrifice. He is the fire. Let's not be so busy arranging the sacrifice that we forget we actually need the fire. The unusual ones, the remnant, they respond. The fire refines us. It separates the impurities. It consumes all the things that are inferior. The fire changes us, and we become burning torches in our generation. We become like Joshua, conduits of salvation. He can use us for the generation when we linger longer, when we deny the drawing of the world and accept the drawing of God. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.